0: Sequence Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald,
1: and I'm Father
0: Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to
1: live it. As we get into today's topic, we always want you to know that we love listener feedback. If you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes,
0: please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet us, at SFDiocese, with the hashtag ignition. Again, at SFDiocese with the hashtag ignition. So Father, we we just told our listeners that we want them to launch, we want to launch their own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, why do we do that?
1: Because the Catholic faith is worth knowing and you can't love it unless you know it more. And also because I can't be everywhere. Can you be everywhere? Nah, no. No. And so, you know, Hey, buck up buttercup and let's like get some better knowledge on, on our faith. And let's bring the faith out to our workplaces and our homes and our schools and our neighborhood picnics.
0: Do we, if we truly, uh, if we really loved other people, we mm. desire them to encounter reality. Yeah. And it's beauty.
1: The and fullness its of truth. reality, which is God. Exactly. The source from which all reality flows.
0: So this isn't just about you being smarter hopefully smart. it helps that way hopefully i'm um, not a very smart man but i do
1: know who god is exactly forrest gump uh, is it yeah i'm not a very smart man but i know what love is yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay. um so this is this is certainly about increasing your knowledge but not for its own sake for the greater end of your own sanctification and your efforts to share your faith with others yeah so go do it go do it
1: so but you I mean you can listen to this episode before you go do it
0: Please, please, there might be some some gem buried deep within the muck in this episode that you're just going to really want before you go.
1: I won't have any smart things to say in this episode because I, I only have a surplus and I use them all up on other ones we recorded, uh, and so I'll just be making vacuous, uh, pointless uh, observations. Plus, this is the fourth episode in in our recording session.
0: Uh, and as you point out, since three and three is normally the doozy where the wheels come off. Uh that didn't happen yeah, last some week reason. somehow. So we're probably well, we think so. Well, that's true. In our opinion. Um <laughs> uh, four minutes into episode one. That's true. So father and I are worried about what that means for this episode.
1: Eh, slightly, not like overly worried. I'm not gonna say really like <laughs> fretting about this. <sighs> so I need a pulling thread. <laughs> sound of music i know i know i know what's the next fa i <laughs> know to follow so tea a drink with jam and bread
0: no that's not. i'm wrong i'm
1: wrong i'm right on my responses though yeah yeah but i got them out of order didn't i yeah so, anyways uh, uh, things we don't need to worry about on total. this episode that you have started no 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 you, that <laughs> was you a one-off can't do
0: that that was a one-off <laughs> why do you get to control the rabbit holes <laughs> Who gave you the power to say, you shall not continue down this mindless I'm journey? The co-
1: well, I'm the co-host and you're the host. So you had the power.
0: I got the power. All right. <laughs> this is going to be part of our regular series that Father and I do, in which we offer a primer on the documents of the Bible. Free British. Thank you. Um, Father. No, seriously, we, Father and I have been, uh, we began with Matthew. Uh, just giving little short introductions in the in the space of an episode um, to each of the documents of the um, New Testament, and we have worked our way per near to the end. So today we are going to be looking at the first and second letters of Saint John, and we're doing both of them in a single episode because they're getting pretty darn short at this point. Yep. So we're going to tackle one and two John together um, as as we always try to say or preface these episodes with bad grammar. Um, <laughs> much of what we're going to say comes from um, not all, but much of what we're going to say comes from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible New Testament, which is written by Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch. So, if you're looking for more, uh, this it's to me the best single New Testament commentary that's available today, at least for the lay audience, and even even high um, high lay level, if you will. So, Father, um, authorship with these two documents. Uh, this is a case where um, you know you and I joke a lot about. Well, <laughs> it says it was Paul, so it probably was Paul. Uh, but in this case, First and Second John, uh, the author doesn't tell us his
1: name. Right? Very modest.
0: Unlike <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm that darn Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> who does he think he is? I oh, hey, Paul. Well, la di da. No, um, yeah, for for whatever reason, I don't think I don't think we do know definitively the reason why the author doesn't explicitly reveal. I name do not to say us.
1: my name because
0: that doesn't happen. That would be very modest. <laughs> um, so authorship in this case can't be determined conclusively. Uh, But the other earliest traditions do identify the author of both of these letters as John the Apostle, John the Evangelist, Uh, and for good reason, because there are uh, parallels with John's gospel, the language that he uses, the ideas or concepts that he uses, the themes that he discusses um, uh, in both letters uh, parallel closely with the gospel of John. And again, there are early traditions would say that he wrote it, so it seems like that Uh, A safe bet to say that he
1: did. I have no good reason not to believe the early tradition. Exactly. Just because it's an early tradition doesn't mean that I shouldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, that's sort of a a conceit or a bias. it's totally
1: conceited. It's totally conceited that just because we're here in the present, in modern times, we understand things that the poor uh, people of the past could never understand in their non-electrified and plumbed worlds. (laughs) Plumbing. Ah, okay. Um, is your house
0: plumbed? Yes, it is. Thank you. Oh, yeah. uh, I think C.S. Lewis referred to it as chronological snobbery. Totally chronological snobbery. Chronolo- chronological
1: snobbery. The tyranny of the present.
0: Yep. Uh, so authorship, John, seems like a safe bet because that's what the early tradition says, and that's how we refer to them uh, in the Bible. Um, not that that's inspired, but still. Um in terms of when they were written, uh, again, we're not sure, but probably after the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John we discussed in previous episode, was written probably in the 90s, so it seems safe to bet that the late 90s would be a good time for both of these letters to have been written.
1: Although there are no references, there's no intertextuality that I can tell between First uh, and Second John and the Gospel of John. Right. Yeah. Right. So nothing that explicitly would say
0: that. So that's, that's again, not definitive, but a safe bet. Um, destination, uh, unusually for many of the, the letters, the epistles of the new Testament, the author, um, John does not identify his audience or where they live and work and play.
1: Yeah. So you have down here that the dominant tradition is that John went from Jerusalem to Ephesus. So perhaps writing to the latter, to Ephesus. Ephesus. Okay. Yep. I was say, I was wondering if you're saying to Jerusalem, because one of the things that for dating, which is interesting about this, is there's no references to the destruction of the temple, right? And so he probably isn't writing to a very uh, to an audience with much, which much Jewish connections mm-hmm. in that regard, because to the Jewish people that was a very and even for a Jewish Christian, even though they'd be embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the fulfillment of their faith, there still is a lot of connection, a lot of emotional connection uh, to the temple.
0: Right. Right. Yep. yep. Absolutely.
1: And listeners, the temple was destroyed in 60, 70. 70 AD. Yep,
0: 70 AD. So authorship, date, destinations to the background things, we don't know a lot. Likely John, likely late 90s, around 100, um, perhaps to the church in Ephesus. Uh, why, though, did he write? I think we can t- say a little bit more about each of these, Father.
1: Right, from the writings itself, we can know a little more why. Now, mind you, we are just surmising this in this primer, on the first two epistles of John, uh, but the uh, what well we can from the writing itself. I mean, the first John is very much an exhortation. Yep, yep. Right. What does it mean to exhort? Encourage, to call on,
0: to call forward. You can do
1: this. Excellent. And so it's an exhortation uh, of the living of the Christian faith, especially to one that's been threatened by a ooh. Here's a fun word. Yeah, we've been using it a lot. Lately. Heretical group that yeah. broke away. Right. Right. Because there are no mild heresies. No, they're all bad. We talked about that last week. Yep. In our, oh, it was Sacred Heart, episode on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So they, uh, what was their heresy? Uh,
0: They denied, uh, they're probably either um, docetists who denied that Jesus really uh, took on flesh. That's actually probably what they were. Um, they denied the the, the true humanity ah, yeah. of Jesus Christ. Yep.
1: and we'll see some of that in First uh, John chapter one, verse one. Ooh, right? Will, I, will we? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Not, not Docetism, but the response to Do- Docetism. Right, right, yeah. right. So who who's the founder of Docetism, by the way, again? Like, I don't know. You remember? Nope. So is that, oh, it's not, that's not the name? Nope. Like Arianism nope. or... Nope, in this case... Mercianism. Uh, no,
0: correct. Uh, in this case, it does... I don't remember what the etymology is, but it refers to the content of their faith, not... Who
1: and so what this heresy is saying is that Jesus didn't come in actually the flesh; he just appeared to be here, yep. kind of like an angelic apparition, exactly. like Raphael from the Book of Tobit. Yep. Uh, and part of that was probably a rejection against the suffering of Christ. Right. That uh, divinity in any way would be mixed with the human frailty of suffering. Right. Which is repulsive, uh, even to this day, to some people. Yep.
0: Uh, yep. And so uh, it comes from Docetism. Comes from the Greek word dokein, which means to seem, or huh. Uh, dochesis, it's the Seamism. Duchesis, so an apparition or a phantom. So okay. again, Jesus just seemed, he appeared to take on human nature, but he really didn't.
1: Which would mean that he didn't really die on the cross. Exactly. You know, actually I was thinking, I had this line in my head for uh, last week's episode on The Second harp. I didn't use it. Can I use it now? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, Catholic theology a lot of times takes a lot of balance, a lot of maturity to be able to live it out, the yep. fullness of Catholic Christian faith. And sometimes there's a temptation for immaturity to go to one extreme or the other, as opposed to going on this like truth of the Catholic faith.
0: Right. Right. So it's, yeah, in a sense that way it's easy. So immature, it's easy for us just to go to an extreme. Right. Um. So what I'm reminded there of Chesterton. I think it's from Orthodoxy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, where the adventure of Christianity is sort of, like, uh, I don't know if he's, it's a horse, a chariot racing along and leaning sometimes one to the right and other times to the left, but always staying on course.
1: Right. And with these chasms here and there on yeah. either side, disaster on either side, yep. as a chariot careens uh, forward in that way. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And so, so, that, that's, so, in, that's in, did you say that's in orthodoxy? Yeah. It's yeah. book orthodoxy. There's nothing quite... People say that orthodoxy is humdrum and boring. There's nothing boring about orthodoxy. Exactly. What she actually so he wrote that before he was Catholic. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he was Christian. Because he was atheist yeah, for a
0: while. Was Chesterton was? I thought he was atheist. Well, maybe okay. uh this is why he was still Anglican but on his way to Catholicism. Okay.
1: So it's then second John, uh what seems to be the purpose of the second letter of Saint John?
0: Uh it's similar to first John. Um to warn believers that deceivers are deceivers are on their way um it's interesting here i've been as we're recording this uh just a few nights ago had my fourth meeting with two kind young gentlemen in white shirts and black ties uh yeah uh two mormon missionaries uh you know they're both elders even though they're 20 so less than half my age um l i can't remember their last names to say i don't remember the first names to say. In my life for that matter uh nice young guys 20 years old god bless them they're uh the two, these two are from utah another if i met from california and like most young mormon men they give up two years of their post high school life to go on mission uh in this case to sioux falls um and and mormons believe in the great apostasy uh, right. And they point to things like what John tells us in his epistles, that there are deceivers, there are heretics, and so on and so forth. And uh, just it's, it's been interesting to visiting with them, and um, they're unpacking a little bit more what they believe about that. So certainly we know that there have been Christians who fell away from the faith, even in the apostolic era, the era when
1: the apostles were still alive. But that doesn't mean necessarily that there was a great apostasy where there was a time when there was no true believers at all, which is the part of that Mormon claim.
0: Exactly. And 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 there's not because I believe Jesus when he said the gates of hell should not prevail against my church. Amen. Amen.
1: So those were the purposes that we believe St. John had in writing 1 John and 2 John. The purpose of why Dr. Bergwald and I are doing this Uh, broadcast of Ignition is so that you might grow in your ability to live out your Catholic faith and invite others to share in it. Uh, I'm Father Andrew Dickinson with Dr. Chris Bergwald. And if you have questions about this episode or suggestions for future episodes, we always want to remind you to contact us using Ignition at sfcatholic.org. Also, tweeting at us with the Twitter handle at sfdiocese and the hashtag Ignition. So we're talking today about uh,
0: St. John's first and second letters, his first and second epistles. Um, just looking at themes and characteristics a little bit of each of them, and then we get into some notable passages. First um, John, uh, even though we call it a letter or an epistle, has none of the tip, none of the typical formalities that we would find in ancient letters that like we see, for instance, St. Paul's writing uh, with the the salutation, the beginning, the traditional ending, naming um, the author and his companions, and so on. We don't find that at all in first. John. Basically, it's just a short catechetical treatise, which isn't uh, systematic, really, at all. It's very spontaneous. Right. Uh, Father referred, mentioned earlier, it's an exhortation, uh, more of an exhortation than really a formal letter, uh, but with a focus on the nature of,
1: of authentic fellowship with God, as opposed to the false gospel of the heretics. It's more, we might think about an actual letter today. Right. Same, like, in Second John, even more so, because of its brevity.
0: Yeah. So, what about uh, Second John? What uh, what can we it's brief. observe about its themes and characteristics? It doesn't even have a chapter. Nope. Yeah. Well, it does. It's
1: one. Well, whatever. Yeah. Just verses, right? There's yep. no. Just verses, and so uh, which he didn't write it with verses. He just wrote it, uh, but it is a blend, as you say, of condemnation and caution. Uh, warning about the antichrist's coming uh, of apostates; those who deny Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Important to think about what the actual meaning of the word antichrist is. That's a denial of Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Why is that important? Well, because sometimes we think of antichrist just simply as like Satan or the boogeyman or a bad guy. Right. Right. But the antichrist most truly is one who denies Jesus Christ come in the flesh. Right. And I think it's Second John where he'll say that there are many antichrists.
0: Right. Right,
1: And so any sort of Antichrist spirit or a spirit of the Antichrist is to deny Jesus Christ come in the flesh, again, that docetism. Docetism? Docetism. Docetism that you mentioned earlier, uh, denying that Jesus had a physical, corporeal, real human body, mind, soul, and intellect. Um, and so the Antichrist denies that. And the spirit of the Antichrist always denies and attacks that. So it could
0: be... Um, the Antichrist that way can be either as the, with the docetist denial that Jesus took on true humanity, that he really was human, or it could be uh, a heresy like um, Apollinarianism or Adoptionism uh, which said that um, it wasn't really God incarnate. Right. Um, that that um, somehow Jesus uh, Jesus, so adoptionism, that God the Father adopted the pure man, Jesus, and mm-hmm. made him his son. God-like. God, exactly. Yeah, so, or Arianism. So, in yeah, very akin to Arianism that way, uh, which denies the full divinity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So to be the Antichrist usually means to divide the humanity of Christ, but could also mean to deny his divinity. Yeah. So um, why don't we jump into what is typically, Father, your favorite part of these primer episodes,
1: talking about some notable passages from these two letters what was from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes what we looked upon and touched with our hands concerns the word of life 1 john chapter 1 verse 1 and a direct answer to the docetists docetists right what we have seen with our eyes looked upon touched with our hands yeah that's just i love that that's just a beautiful little verse and it's that whole it goes on further from there what we have ser- seen and heard we proclaim to you so you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship with the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ. Um, very much an echo of, so the first whole chapter of John, which is short, like four or five verses, is an echo of John's gospel and of John's prologue. Right. In that way. Even the idea of like, I'm writing so that you may have faith uh, and that your joy may be complete, an echo of Jesus's words in the upper room in John's gospel.
0: Right. Right, and, and reminds me of the end of John's Gospel, where uh, all the writings could not contain, but I write to this to you so that you may know Jesus
1: Christ. So, uh, and that's one of those ways we kind of talk about that authorship of the first epistle of John being connected to uh, John, the author of uh, the fourth gospel, the St. John, uh, is this tie of that sort of language. Right, right. And so... Uh, another verse that I love, I don't know if you have anyone before this. Nope, go ahead. Okay. Is uh, 1 John chapter 2, uh, where it talks about uh, something, uh, and actually, maybe kind of a similarity to last, the most previous episode we did as well in the Sacred Heart, where we talk about um, he talks about the things of the world. And that's one of the, uh, so not only war, t- warning against the D- Docetists, he's also warning against the spirit of the world right? Uh, throughout 1 John. Right. Uh, so, which is always interesting to think about, like, you know, some people talk about the Bible in general, the new Testament in general as instruction for con- converts or to become a convert or why you should believe, but there's also for Christians who are already living the faith. Yep. And this is very much the case in first John. So, uh, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Right. Right. So as much as you love the world, you don't love Jesus. You can love things in the world through Jesus, through the Father, but we have to love God the Father first. He's a jealous God. right? And so for all that is in the world, and he mentions three things here, sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, and a pretentious life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Uh, those of you familiar with the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius might think of his beautiful meditation on the two standards, which maybe we've talked about in a I think we have episode before. But uh, go look it up. Uh, we'll have our wonderful engineer look it up for us. Thank you. Um, but the, uh, yes, these three things then, uh, enticement for the eyes, pretentious life, sensual lust, uh, are kind of the three major areas of sin that we have to deal with in our Christian life. Uh, so sensual lust, obviously, uh, or sometimes it's called lust of the flesh. Uh, and then enticement for the eyes is sometimes called, uh, lust of the eyes and pretentious life, pride of life. Uh, so sometimes basically lust, greed, and pride. Okay. And so these three ways that a Christian soul is most especially ensnared away from love of the Father. So um,
0: again, the verse as a whole, for all that is in the world, sensual lust, enticement of the eyes, particular life, and not from the Father, but from the world. So if we are living um, a life of self-awareness, being attentive to um, the state of our heart, then we should be particularly on the lo- the... Look out for
1: these three temptations, right? We're going to find them, and that's just even as like the most simplest examination of conscience, right there. You know, where have I fallen into the snare of sensual lust, enticement for the eyes, or a pretentious life? So great. Other verses I like. Yes, please. Yeah, uh, this also ties in with the most recent podcast, First uh, John chapter four, verse ten. As he defines love, for this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son Mm -hmm. as expiation for our sins. What strikes you about that one?
0: So this is the thing that we talked about um, last week. Um, This common idea, as you said, not just among Catholics, but people in general, that we have to earn God's love. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The nature of love, the fullness of love is the fact that God loved us first. And then our love is his response to his love. So I think it. I don't know. Just your pastoral experience. I, mm. Why? I'm, not, I'm. I wonder why people. Uh, the, the the I'm struck by the fact that people still struggle with this. I guess.
1: Well, I, I there's actually a perversion of pride and a perverse form of pride. I should say in this regard to think that my sins are so great that God could not love me. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, and also, too, because of the wounds of this, of our earthly life, that we learn about love and acceptance through human relationships. Right. And so, and as the Catechism talks about them, when it introduces the Our Father, sometimes there's a need for a purification and healing of our earthly experience of these sorts of things in order to experience it in the divine way. So, because I, I think, I'm thinking again of a conversation I had with a group of people recently,
0: um, and I do think we, we how we learn love um, as children mm. and sometimes it seems as though we had to earn love from our parents and yet and yet if for those of us who are parents um, I would never say that the ch- my child has to earn my love right. I think look into the example of being a parent mm-hmm. and, and even if you're not a parent you can I know you can imagine this um, if you look at the example of being a parent you the the a uh, 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 a mother, a father would not say that they love their child from the beginning. Right. Before the child is able to do anything to earn that love. If you take out the garbage for me, then I'm going to love you. Right. No, not at all. And and that's what our father is like. He's he's that to the infinite. Right. So I'm just struck by the fact that it seems to me that there's a good bit of work that has to be done to help people to recognize what First John chapter 4, verse 10 says.
1: Yeah. You know, I... I also want to just talk about the mystery of sin, though, as well, mm. in that way, just how sin speaks to the sinner in the depths of his heart. He has no fear of God before his eyes, but also in, in the sense of sin speaking in the depths of our hearts in terms of, like, resisting that love. I am not loved. I cannot be loved. Yeah. And also, I think, yeah, it's it's, it's complex, but it's not unsolvable. right. Yeah. and right. so that's why the good news of verses like this needs to be preached to those who think that they have to earn in some way God's love.
0: Is there what more do we do besides just trying to read first John four ten? Read first John four ten. Read first John four ten.
1: Well, there's a lot more we could talk about, but we don't have time for it. Um but uh I think if you if you feel like if you feel like you struggle with that, make sure you talked about it with a priest or someone else who's a good man or woman of prayer. Amen. And so I just want to mention a couple other verses if we can.
0: Why don't we, uh, we got a, like a minute left, Father. You want to jump? To, can we jump? Uh, okay.
1: F- so I can't mention my favorite proof text of oh, all time. favorite. Okay, go ahead no, and No, that's it. fine. Well, we won't. So in <laughs> Second John, <laughs> uh, I just, time. one thing I wanted to mention there, which we don't really have much time to mention, because uh, it is, but it's a short one. There's only one chapter. Just in verse eight, he has this little line here about like losing what you've received. Um, do not lose what we worked for in terms of like some people who say like well once you're saved you're always saved as a Christian and so um, yeah you can lose what you got in that way so what's the verse as a whole say Um, it says look to yourselves that you do not lose what we worked for but may receive a full recompense Mm. and so it's not to lose uh, the salvation for which we've longed for but uh, to receive a full recompense that's a cool verse from Second John. I didn't even mention the one on the Antichrist.
0: Uh, you got thirty seconds.
1: So, verse seven mentions the Antich- Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Can I really mention from First yes, John please, chapter? Go, okay, First John chapter five, verses sixteen and seventeen. Uh, uh, really great verses about confession yep because it talks about how uh, if anyone uh, sins and the sin is not more deadly or mortal then um, he can do stuff but anyway so look first John 15 first <laughs> John chapter 5 16 and 17 <laughs>
0: And over at this episode of Ignition, again, you can email us, ignition at SFCatholic.org, or tweet us at SFDiocese. Use, use the hashtag Ignition with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future ones.
1: Till next time, dear listeners, may almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at SFCatholic.org.